Friday, May 29th, and welcome to the 50th video of our study verse by verse through 2 Peter. We're in 2 Peter chapter 3. And uh, if you take a look, we've reached verse, num we've reached verse number 3. Uh, you'll remember just for context sake, second letter he's writing. Peter says, and both of them, I'm stirring you up to... I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions. That's the first thing we saw about uh, Christ and about what he said. But now he says, knowing this first of all, in other words, this ties back to the reminder here, something I want you to know as a priority and remember this. And here's our text for today, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing. The piling on of words here. I mean, we know that scoffers scoff, but that's the emphasis here, following their own sinful desires. And then we're going to get into the details next time on Monday as to what they said. But this is a very important section because it shows us the intention of the book. And uh, very important that we see that connection that he's trying to say, first of all, you need to know this. Look at the bottom of chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. He says, Therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, I'm telling you something again, and now you know it, and you have no excuse for not knowing it. This is something you need to know. This is for your own good. He says, Take care now that you know about it. And of course, he's told them before, but he's reminding them as priority here, uh, knowing this first of all, that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. So this is the concern of Peter, that they not be swayed. And we recognize in chapter 2, the focus is on false teachers. Uh, perhaps this is a different audience here. We'll talk about that in just a second. But this is the pattern that we often see in the scripture in terms of a repetitive nature of reminding people of things they already know. We've talked about this a little bit already in our book when we dealt with the fact that he's reminding them of something they already had learned. Look at Philippians chapter 3 right here in verses 1 and 2. Uh, he says, finally, as he starts to bring at least the letter of Philippians, Paul does, to a conclusion, he says, Rejoice in the Lord. Now, to write the same things to you is no trouble for me, and it is safe for you. It does some good. It safeguards you. It protects you. And then the thing he wants them to know is much like we have in Second Peter about, about false teachers. And in this case, the Judaizers, as we call them, those that were of the Jewish background that said to be right with God, even though you adopt Christ or embrace Christ, you've got to go and you've got to be circumcised and keep the Mosaic law, at least a pared down uh, list of Mosaic rules. And so he calls them evildoers because much like in Second Peter, they're following their own desires. Look out for those that mutilate the flesh, which is a mild translation of the uh, concern Paul has about those that are trying to get these people to be circumcised to be right with God. So the pattern is there, and that is we should see the preachers giving us some things over and over again, particularly the warnings, so that we would be sure that we are not going to um, follow the false teachers. Philippians chapter 3, we can see here again, as later in the passage, he says, I've often told you Look at verse 18 here. And I now tell you, even with tears, I'm trying to show you how serious this is in my mind. He says, uh, there are many, he says, that walk as enemies of the cross. And just like 2 Peter chapter 2, their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory is in their shame. And as we saw in chapter 2, 
their minds are set on earthly things, which is so much of a indication of people that have missed the point of real Christianity because they're constantly focused on the here and now and not the then and there. And I just want to emphasize here, I've often told you, so don't roll your eyes when you read a book that affirms some things that you need to know and guard, it tries to guard you or warn you against uh, losing your stability in Christ or falling off the path into false teaching. Uh, we want to not be known just for that defensive kind of teaching, but we need to repeat that kind of teaching often so that you know the difference between right doctrine and wrong doctrine and good teachers and false teachers. Uh, all of that is super important for the Christian life, and that's why it begins with a very strong statement, uh, knowing this first of all, the first importance at the top of the list. Now, the topic here is scoffers, which may be a second audience. We'll talk about that. But the scoffer is a common uh, theme throughout the Bible, particularly in the wisdom literature in the book of Proverbs. Here's Proverbs chapter 21, verse 4, which shows us a lot of what is motivating the scoffers. Scoffers or mockers are the ones that uh, malign the truth that's out there. They may selectively malign certain aspects of the Bible. And in this case, we're going to see in verse number 4 that we're going to talk about the return of Christ, the sudden and uh, powerful intervention of God into space and time, uh, and, and we'll talk about that on Monday, Lord willing. But here we have uh, a definition, at least, of the kinds of things that people are, um, that's motivating these people. Scoffer is the name of the arrogant. I mean, you're always going to find that, the kind of arrogant, prideful person, the haughty man, an old phrase we don't use much uh, anymore, but you can see the words piling on, who acts with arrogant pride. So scoffing are those that are in their own hearts and minds arrogant, and that seeps through in their haughty attitudes, their arrogant pride, and the Bible would uh, help us to identify um, those who would malign the truth, and they do that because they are full of themselves, and there's so much in the Proverbs about that. Well, they're going to come, it says, with their scoffing, and um, a couple things I want to say in response to that verse that we should think about as it relates to how we interact with them. First of all, you need to know when you should respond to them. And maybe I can start down here in Proverbs 26, and then we'll look up at this passage that actually names the scoffers, um, labels the scoffers. But the scoffers are fools. They're arrogant fools. And the Bible says here in this uh, contrasting two uh, Proverbs, these contrasting two Proverbs, it says, Answer not, that's important to see, answer not a fool according to his folly. Proverbs 26, 4, lest you uh, be like him yourself. So there's a time not to answer, but then there is a time to answer. Verse 5, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. And you have to make those choices. And if you have the overweening pride and the arrogance of a scoffer who's just dropping those verbal bombs and trying to be uh, problematic, then I think we can defer to verses like this, Proverbs chapter 9, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 7, it says, whoever corrects a scoffer, well, you engage with that kind of person, all you're going to do is get abuse for yourself. Whoever reproves the wicked man incurs an injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Again, these are Proverbs, which means they are general principles, and it's not always the case that someone who mocks something biblical cannot be one to Christ. It's just that, generally speaking, the prideful and arrogant and haughty person who loves to take pot shots at Christianity disparagingly, um, there's not a lot of 
use in engaging those people. Matter of fact, it says here, don't reprove them, don't try to correct them. And it's not that you don't have an opportunity at times, particularly when it's in a public setting, when someone says something at a you know, a party or a gathering or whatever, that you wanna answer someone so that they don't come off looking like there's no retort, there's no response, there's no logical reason for the proof that uh, you're uh, giving and I uh, are the proof of what you're saying, which I think is what the context is going to show us in verses four and following in Second Peter three. In other words, he's going to say, "Here's the response to the scoffing of the scoffers." So sometimes you have a situation where you can rightly and should rightly answer the fool because there's other people standing by that need to hear the correction or the wisdom behind the the assertions of Scripture. Uh, but so often, when you look at someone dropping bombs at you in email or whatever, and I get this all the time, and it, you know, there's no need for me to respond uh, because nine times out of 10, the way that someone comes across as a scoffer, uh, all I know is I'm gonna get ad hominem arguments, people attacking me personally, they're not gonna engage in the issues, and so it's usually useless. Matter of fact, there's times just to, to say goodbye, to block people like that, to use the social media terms. Uh, the scoffer who comes with his scoffing, there's a time to block them, to drive them out. Drive out the scoffer, remove them from the conversation, and strife will go out, and quarreling and abuse will cease. So even in churches, obviously, you've got people that are there as non-Christians sitting in the church every week, and that's one thing. Uh, we certainly wanna share the gospel with non-Christians, but they go to a small group, for instance, and they start scoffing everything that we're saying about God and the truth and the Bible, and you can't reason with these people, well, then it's time to say, you know, this is not a setting for you to come and just drop you know, your bombs and carpet bomb, you know, all the things that we're saying. And so there's times clearly to not only not answer them, that's a passive response, but sometimes there is definitely a call to drive them out and say, you're not welcome here. Look at this phrase here. It says, uh, they'll come in the last days. And as long as we see that phrase here in our passage, I think it's good for us to think through what that means. In 1 Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, in this passage, wow, that's not the passage I'm looking for. Actually, it's 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, actually, let me get there real quick. 1 Peter chapter 1. As long as we've got this phrase, in the last days, in this passage, I think we should deal with it. And in the last days, in 1 Peter chapter 1, he talks about being ransomed in verse 18 from our former way of life. He says, by the precious blood of the Lamb, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but he was made manifest in these last times, in these last days, which if you look here at the screen, there are several examples of that describing the present era, and I mean that from the time of the first century when Peter was writing that. Now that was 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. Look at Acts chapter 2 as Peter stands up when he's preaching. Of course, that's our author of our epistle here, but as he's preaching, he's quoting Joel chapter 2, and he describes those prophecies of the Old Testament talking about the time in which they were living. In, these, in the last days, as he quotes Joel, it shall be uh, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So all kinds of flesh, not every last person. But we have these people here in Acts chapter 1, and they are proclaiming God's truth. And all of these things that are described in Acts chapter 2 are under this banner right here in the last days. Uh, so we're talking about the present era of time. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1. But in these last days, again, the writer of Hebrews is writing in the first century, and we're talking about the last days, the time in which these um, things were written in the New Testament and continues on to today. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he's appointed, appointed heir of all things through whom he created the world. So all I'm trying to show here is the last days is the present era. Now, it doesn't mean there are not phrases in the Bible where the last days 
are referring to the last days of the last days. And, and there's certainly references to that. And I think passages like this make it clear by the use of the, of the future tense. Uh, look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. He says, understand this, that in the last days... Right, which, again, a lot of passages talk about the present reality, which is the first century through the 21st century so far, the last days. It's not the Old Testament days. We're in the last days before the appearing of the kingdom of God in person. He says, but in the last days there will come, Paul talks to Timothy about this, times of difficulty. For people will be, and of course they were then, but it's going to get worse, lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, and it goes on. The reference to the last days uh, as Paul keeps talking about the fact that it's going to go from bad to worse and as things ramp up toward the end as Matthew 24 talks about you're going to see sometimes the phrase the last days referring to uh, the compounding of, of the situation during this period of time but generally speaking when we talk about the last days even though it's discussed here as a future we know that it's the period of time in which we're in and it's only going to get worse and the scoffing of course in our day has gotten really bad and it continues to and I think we should expect it to be even more so and what are they doing they're following their own sinful desires and I say this uh, as a cue for us to discuss who these people are because certainly in chapter 2 we saw a lot of discussion about the false teachers and we know that's the they of this passage right in chapter 2 we spent a lot of time studying this uh, their eyes are full of adultery they're insatiable for sin uh, they entice unsteady souls which of course Peter is trying to prevent uh, they have hearts trained in greed it's the here and now of course uh, cursed children forsaking the right way they've gone astray they followed the way of Balaam the son of Beor having loved the gain of wrong doing so these are all about the things in this world uh, where people are just following the sinful desires and I think the false teachers clearly do that and I get that in the sense that the false teachers have an underlying and motivation an underlying motivation I should say for the greed and the satisfaction of simply following their own sinful desires Uh, but I'm not ruling out the fact that it seems like the scoffers who come clearly scoffing and mocking may not be the insidious careful Uh, you know camouflaged undercover uh, injection of false teachers within the church there's a subtlety to that that I think is the whole reason that Jude and second Peter are there to warn us about the false teachers who are wolves coming in sheep's clothing as Jesus put it and I'm just saying that following the sinful desires of your own heart that describes every non-christian Ephesians chapter 2 says and they are the ones that are more likely to mock so uh, not that there's a huge distinction Uh, between the two in the sense that both will lead you astray from the truth but the mocker it seems like in my opinion more of the reference to the outsider that are throwing bombs at these uh, first century Christians and they do at us too we've got a lot of outsiders um, that we've got to be ready for and assure our hearts of God's faithfulness even though within the church the topic was these insidious false teachers that secretly introduced their heresies but if you watch closely you can see them following their sinful desires as well not a huge significant distinction there but one that's worth at least recognizing as we talk about who these people are so there is our study for today uh, video number 50 our, our 50th installment we're going to continue lord willing through the end of second peter and i hope this study has been helpful if it has been be sure to share it subscribe and uh, we'll be back lord willing on monday with another installment of our study through this great book